Baseball softball playoff time. We'll have games for you tomorrow. We'll have action for you and coverage for you from around the state at mbr.org. Maddie and Wing with you here on a Wednesday. Callie Oaks joins us now from the Georgetown News Graphic. He just answered the saw, phone, and it was very... I saw pictures, saw pictures from baseball and softball up there. It looked like everybody was bundled up like in the nook of the north. It Is was... everything going okay up there? Um, it tickled 50 yesterday, uh, and it was, not, it was not balmy. We'll put it that way. I've... <laughs> I'm currently looking at the sunlight for the first time in three days today. It looks like most of today's games are going to get in without issue. And um, uh, good news is it looks like the rest of the week should be kind of okay. So Kind of okay. Well, that's, good. that's all you can ask for. Yeah, kind of okay. Yes, that'll be, yeah. that'll be all well and, and, well and good. How, how are things down in your neck of the woods? I'll be headed to. Uh, it's been a beautiful week. Of course, I haven't been any games because uh, they're they're in the little break here between uh, region tournaments and state tournaments. But uh, I'll be headed to to Owensboro tomorrow for a three day uh, three day extravaganza to watch the Lady Cardinals go for a state championship. So uh, that'll be fun. Uh, they they've won it the last two even number years. So hopefully that's a good sign and uh, roll from there. But it's a double elimination tournament, so it's going to be a lot of going to be a lot of softball over three days. Yeah, I think there's going to be uh, quite a bit of that played. And you'll be eating pizza and dogs, right? Yeah, pretty much. That'll be my uh, my staples. So, uh, <clears throat> and a lot of early morning wake-up calls. So that's never good, but we'll, we'll make the most of it. Talking with Callie Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic. You wrote a, a good article about... Uh, uh, about the Bates football coach. Let's talk a, a little bit about that. That is not an easy gig. No, that's like, uh, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> it's like being, being picked uh, before miracles and asked to do the impossible. And uh, You know, the, the, if you look at the six, the coach that was there before Mark Harriman uh, was there for six years, Rick Party, good guy. He, he had come from the, he had come from a program, I think he coached at Marist, or, and they were, they were good at the time in one double A, and and he went two and forty-six, and they had a thirty-seven-game losing streak, and uh, it just it hit rock bottom. And, and it uh, and it was really a continuation of what had happened in the eighties, where they had just uh, they had been going steadily, steadily downhill, and uh, kind of an impossible situation to coach football uh, in, in NESCAC at, at Bates, and uh, it, it's become that way at Colby and Bowden. It, it just seems like uh, over over the course of time, the Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, Vermont, uh, those schools uh, just took over as far as uh, their proximity helped uh, get recruits, um, especially Trinity Amherst. I mean, they, they've they've kind of dominated that league, and, and it's put those it's put those schools uh, on the defensive. Uh, certainly, the um, meaning Bates and Colby and Bowden. Uh, but Mark uh, really kind of turned things around there. He, as much as is humanly possible, I think if you look at his winning percentage, that was the point of my column. Is that I think he won 26 percent of his games over 20 years. That will usually get you fired in, in, in most places, but uh, uh, it doesn't tell the story with Bates. Uh, so much, so much changed while he was there. They, they won or shared. Uh, won outright or shared the NESCA, or rather the BB, CBB title, seven times his last seven years. Uh, and, and if you're coaching at Bates in any sport, you want to be Colby and Bowden. That's really anything else is gravy uh, <laughs> a lot of times, and especially in football. And they managed to accomplish that. They were competitive 
with all those other teams I mentioned, uh, you, you could see them hang in those games uh, for longer stretches of a time. They beat some schools that they hadn't beaten in, in ever, or if, if not, uh, you know, ten or twenty years. That being Thompson Williams, uh, and started to beat them regularly. He managed to overcome a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the obstacles that he faced as far as recruiting athletes there. Uh, by strategically, he changed the offense to uh, to a triple option. I think that kind of helped them run the you know, drain the, the clock and dominate time of possession in a lot of games. Uh, he they, they went to some defensive schemes that sort of uh, produced a lot more turnovers. Uh, took advantage of their aggression and took advantage of the type of kids that he had, the, the, the intelligence of the kids that he had. He he tapped into the uh, the main high school coaching ranks. Chris Kempton was successful assistant coach for a long time, and of course Skip Capone, who's, uh, who's recently gone into the, the Auburn Lewiston Hall of Fame. Everybody around there knows Skip, and, and he became kind of a, uh, a a face in that program that uh, kept kept some main kids at home, but also uh, you know, connected with kids coming out of high school, uh, the, the coachable type of kids that Bates the Bates gets, and he was able to uh, to tap into that uh, that talent pool as well. So I, I look at Mark Harriman's time at Bates as an incredible success. Uh, wish uh, wish he had a chance to stay even longer. I don't know all the details there, but uh, yeah, certainly wish him all the best. And uh, whoever comes in there is going to have a tough act to follow. I mean, they, they've already they already faced all the obstacles he faced, but the fact that uh, he was able to uh, to put the school back on the map a little bit, and not the Last but not least, if you look at the past ten years, they've they've got a nice new facility there with artificial turf and uh, a lot of things they didn't have before. There were some iconic uh, photos back when he first started of some games that were played in the rain and the mud, and, uh, and they don't they don't have that anymore. Which uh, in some ways is sad, but in a lot of ways is great for recruiting. Uh, they they have facilities that uh, at least can compete with the, the bigger the bigger traditional powers in that conference. Talking with Cali Oaks. From the Georgetown News Graphic, you know, Callie, he wanted to stay at Bates too. You know, he. That's I know. What I've heard. I know he was yeah. offered the job at Columbia, and yeah. and could have left, and he decided he wanted to stay for his family, he, he, and he wanted to stay there. He's. I mean, he was an Ivy League guy. He came from, uh, Princeton, and Harvard had a lot of success there, um, and and you know, the Ivy League is kind of one of those uh, football organizations that that it, it's kind of self-contained. Don't compete for national championships. You compete for Ivy League championships, and you don't go to the playoffs. That's that's what NESCAC is. You play an eight now nine game schedule. Uh, you don't you don't have a chance to compete for a division championship when you when you coach in the NESCAC. But he seemed to, uh, you know, he's kind of familiar with that mentality. He's kind of familiar with academics first, and uh, yeah, and he really put his stamp on that program. And it doesn't surprise me that he that he was loyal to it. Uh, He's you know just kind of the guy he is. He's not real showy. You talk to Mark after the game; it's it's pretty much all business, or even before. He's he's not a guy that's going to give you a lot of bulletin board fodder. He's uh, he's all about the he's all about the program, all about uh, the kids that he coached, and uh, just a humble guy. And he'll certainly be missed up there. Talking with Cali Oaks in the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky. Are you at all excited about any of these things going on with uh, with the NBA Finals? I mean. They, they've managed to sneak in two games in six days. Well, you know, it's nice that they can do that and play a game once in a while. So we, we, can, uh, we can kind of turn off the hype and actually uh, do what we're 
but we're as fans can see what we want to see, you know, just actual competition. Um, no, nothing surprises me. I, I figure they'll probably agree uh, to the Cavaliers, and that'll that'll create some additional hype. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not. No. To answer your question, no, I'm not really into this. I would have been into it if the Celtics were playing, certainly, uh, on some level. But I, I'm just not excited for the fourth year in a row to watch watch this matchup. Uh, you know, and I'm also not a fan of artificial things to to, to maintain parity. So I'm not the guy that says, well, you know, you got to break up the Warriors and you got to keep teams from from doing what they did and going out and getting Durant. I mean, it's you know, I'm kind of a, a free market guy, so I'm I'm okay with I'm okay with the situation of those teams being good. But I'm I, yeah, I'm tired of seeing them play each other too. Uh, I think Golden State ultimately will win that series. Uh, in five or six games, and uh, we'll all move on with our lives. Possibly four, depending on how things go tonight. I mean, if Rodney That's Hood true. can't kickstart the Cavaliers, I don't know who can. I just figure, <laughs> I just figure they'll that somehow the the powers that be, the, the the basketball gods, the NBA. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not on the up and up, but somehow I just have a feeling a team with LeBron James on it will find a way not to get blanked in the finals. I could be wrong. Yeah, but, uh, we could I, see I, Foster yeah. and, uh, what's his name? Yeah, you could see Foster and Brothers, but you, you don't have those guys tonight. So no. I, I just, I I don't know. I, I would be very, con- I would, and you get Iguodala, uh, it's very possible he's going to come back tonight. So if he comes back and plays some decent minutes, you know, defending LeBron, then I don't know, that could happen, but I, I'm not... Maybe you're more of a historian on the NBA than I am from, like, the 90s on, but is this the worst team? I mean, subtracting LeBron from the equation, is this far and away the worst team that's ever made it to a final? I mean, I, I, I can't think of any. Let me... You know what? The, the, the Orlando Magic with Dwight Howard, the year they made it, was pretty bad. Didn't the Nets make it one year? The Nets one made one it multiple year. years. Remember with the J- yeah. but they had like yeah. Jason Kidd and Richard Jones. Like they had a yeah they were they had the, yeah they had skills they had they had some guys that all star talent that could play. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, the the oh, okay the the Knicks in '99 were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was not the the like mid '90s Knicks. That was kind of the end. That of was the, the Jeff Van Gundy Knicks with Latrell Sprewell, and that was the year that uh, Patrick Ewing was out too. So they lost, and they lost four to one to the Spurs in '99. Um, that, could be, that could be the other, the other, you know, contender for that for that award, that unofficial dubious honor. But yeah, I I, I can't think of many. 2007 Cavaliers, I think, were pretty bad too. You know, yeah. the the first time that that LeBron made it, out, the just starting out Cavaliers. Yeah, the just LeBron. starting Cavaliers were not were not that great. Um, uh, the Orlando Magic definitely 2009. That was a. Uh, that was a big no. I, I think that one was. Uh, they lost four to one to the Lakers, and then um, Celtics. He he. Oklahoma City wasn't that great, but I mean, they at the time. You look back at it now. You look at that roster. Oklahoma City had James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook, and could only win one yeah, game against. I the mean, Heat. they they were again just starting out, but mm-hmm. uh, clearly clearly had some talent. Yeah, I think that would be. I, I think you, you'd rank those pretty badly. In the time I've been alive, those would be the two worst ones I've seen. I don't. I gotta say. I mean, I, I think my 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 memory goes back to '81 and the Houston Rockets, who I think were barely a 500 team uh, that lost to the Celtics in a final. Uh, somehow got there. It had like uh, 
I think Rudy Tomjanovich was still playing then. That's yes, not, yeah, that was so far back. Del Harris was the, the coach. Yeah. Goes. But they, they're the worst I can remember uh, up until the, in the modern era. Yeah, I, I looking at that. Uh, no, Pistons were good. Bulls were good. Ninety-one yeah, Lakers were. The rest of the eighties, you had just some phenomenal battles there. I mean, between the the Celtics, Lakers, Pistons. I mean, yeah, every once in a while you had a team. You, even the eighty-six Rockets were a good team, and we didn't expect them to go and beat the Lakers and kind of. But they they put up a fight. Well, and it's amazing when you go through the eighties, you had Lakers, Sixers, Rockets, Celtics, Lakers, Sixers, Lakers, Sixers, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Rockets, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Pistons, Lakers, Pistons. So during those years, you know, from in ten years, you had one, two, three, four, five. You only had five teams total in the finals during that ten years. It was either Lakers, Celtics, Seventy Sixers, Rockets, or Pistons. Only five teams appeared in the NBA Finals in the 1980s, and it was those five yeah. teams, which is and crazy. Talk, and when everybody talks about the Lakers being the team of that decade, for me, the, the elephant in the room is that they didn't get to the Finals in 81-86. They let the Rockets somehow do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, in 80s. But you're it, right. And, and, and I think that and that almost helped break up that decade a little bit because, like I'm saying, it, it's tough to watch the same two teams four years in a row. But there was a little bit of variety in the 80s. So that, you know, we kind of overcame that a little bit. 90s. Honestly, if it had been the Celtics and Lakers every year, who among us would have minded watching that? I mean, it would have been fine. I'm sure there are other people around the country that probably weren't it. No, it, it, it spiced up in the 90s a little bit when the Trailblazers, the Trailblazers made it twice. Um, the Pistons, Utah Jazz were in there. The Utah Sonics Jazz made it twice. There. The Sonics made it. Um, the Knicks and Magic made it. Um, you know, so that spiced things up a little. And of course, the Bulls made it. So in in the nineties, you're looking at one, two. Phoenix, I think Phoenix. Was Phoenix in there. made it in in ninety three, and then you had San Antonio in ninety nine. So yeah, there was. There was a little bit more variety then, but it was still, like, you know. Uh, my, Michael Jordan's victim of the year was, you know, there was kind of a rotating door mm-hmm. there, to, a revolving door to, to, to earn the right to get beaten by the Bulls. In the final. 26 yeah. years ago Sunday was the was the anniversary of the Michael Jordan shrug game. 26 years ago. Holy cow. Yeah, I, that one didn't hurt me, like, right in the heart at all. Like, it didn't, didn't hurt me in any way. Like, it was painful. Yeah. It not was, it was, it was not, it was not the best, but yeah, I would say this one, probably the worst. That's why I think it would be a sweep. And the last time there was a sweep was 2007 when the Spurs swept the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. So that would so, be a nice, uh, that would be a nice bookend for LeBron's <laughs> time in Cleveland. Although it was not a continuous <laughs> run in Cleveland. <laughs> Uh, it will be it will be nice bookends to his run in Cleveland, yeah. and then he'll go on to play wherever he plays next year. Right, and he'll finish up in. My guess is he's going to finish up in a Lakers uniform Probably. because you'll have a. Uh, that seems to be the missing piece in his resume. He hasn't played in L.A., so he'll yeah. try to to mooch off of that reputation. I think you. I think he's if trying you have, to revive Celtics Lakers. Yeah, I think Lakers Celtics revived again. You know, Kyrie versus LeBron in Lakers Celtics format. I think that might get a couple <laughs> people to the box office. I'm, I might I might tune in for that. I, uh, <laughs> I might I might clear plans on a, on a on a Friday got, night got to some watch some of those guys playing on both sides. Probably, I mean, ultimately, it'll be it'll be good. Right, Callie. We were saying, uh, oh, maybe two weeks ago, the Celtics are seventeen and four for twenty-one appearances in the finals. 
The Lakers are 16 and 15 for 31 appearances. And after that, and yeah, the Bulls six times, uh, San Francisco, Golden State, Philadelphia, that conglomeration nine times, San Antonio six, Syracuse Nationals, Philadelphia nine. That's it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened uh, 50 years ago in sports that kind of skew the <laughs> the landscape. I mean, any, just like in college basketball, anytime you see a, a list of most championships and most appearances or most anything, UCLA dominates it. And, you know, for the most part, they haven't been a factor over the past 20, no. 30 years. No. Boy, what they what they did in that that stretch of about a decade there back in, back in the John Wooden era, certainly certainly gives them the edge in a lot of categories. And, and you look at what the Celtics, the Celtics-Lakers thing goes back uh, before Maddie and I, certainly, <laughs> to the Bill Russell the Bill Russell days and, and the Lakers even uh, before they were in L.A. So, I mean, they, they had some success and, and you know, you listed, won a lot of championships. You listed your who's your favorite athlete in the different sports and whatever, NBA and so yeah. on. And, and uh, see, UCLA... That Bill Walton was my basketball, my favorite basketball player. I, I just thought those teams they were so good, and he was so good, and that was when they'd outlawed the dunk. So he just he had to shoot jump shots all the time. It was when they'd outlawed the dunk, and and freshmen couldn't play. And, right. And now 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 we have a system where freshmen stay one year and are gone. So I, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Pretty amazing, huh? Thanks, uh, for better or for worse, but uh, yeah. Yeah, those those UCLA teams. I mean, think of those the legendary <laughs> personalities, both on the sideline and on the court, and those uh, for those teams, just amazing. Talking with Callie Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic down in uh, down in Kentucky. Um, you know, boy, the uh, the <laughs> the other thing that I've I've seen that is a, a massive kerfuffle right now. Um, is is the NFL, which is is managing to stay into uh, the news cycle, but not with anything anything good. And I am amazed, Callie. I am stunned that the people that were mad that Tim Thomas didn't go to the White House are now the people that are celebrating the Eagles not going to the White House. How does that work? I'm wondering how that isn't that where we're at as a country. It's just as right. Hard as it suits me at my side. Um, yeah, I mean. I hope that I hope that I hope that maybe this is the end of the whole stupid thing of teams going to the White House. Because what's the point? I mean, really. I mean, that, that's be. I mean, maybe it was a cute little tradition back in the day, but it just seems like it's overkill now. Because you got to invite every team from every league and every. And it's just doesn't the president have something better to do with his time than that anyway? So maybe maybe this is good. Maybe this. Is good. Maybe this will end that. And, yeah, the NFL hasn't found any way to navigate the situation. And I don't know what the answer is because, again, uh, the NFL is as divided as the rest of the public. You've got guys that would gladly have gone to the White House and gladly go out there and be, be trotted out as, as, as pawns in this whole game. And, and then you've got others that will Trump could do no right. So, and they're going to stay away and protest no matter what. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's very little middle ground there, just that there's very little middle ground in, in society. So, uh, so none of this surprises me. And I don't know how the NFL recovers from all this. I really don't because uh, it, it's hard when, it's hard when an, an issue like this has alienated 
roughly half your fan base either way. And now you and now you've made them both mad at one time or another. So I, I don't know. <laughs> they've got to hope that one side comes back and then they've got to appease the other side now. That, that's irritated by the idea that freedom of speech is being violated. So, I don't know. And, and maybe these maybe these games have become too uh, ceremonial anyway. Maybe we can just, like, I don't know, play the anthem with the players in the locker room and then play the game and then, you know, it's like, we, you know, maybe used to do it instead of, <laughs> instead of in- insisting that, uh, you know, we've got to turn it all into this big ceremonial thing. I mean, I... I I don't care if any of that stuff is on TV, and I love America, and I love the flag, and I love the anthem, but just show me the game anyway, <laughs> even in the stadium. I mean, I, I don't know. Do we need a flag that's the entire size of a football field, and do we need a flyover, and do we need uh, yeah. it, it, it's It's excess. No wonder people hate America, <laughs> because we're, we're excessive, and, and we insist on being excessive, so... So maybe the upshot of this, maybe the good side of this, is that this all could be scaled back just a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, because it's one less talking point. That like, I, there, there should be no like. This is. I really don't understand why anybody. This continues to be in the headlines. I do understand why it continues to be in the headlines, but it's like there's nothing to be gained out of it. Like well, the it NFL just keeps stepping in because some people that like to hear themselves talk on both sides have kept it in the headlines. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <You> know, <laughs> whether it be. Uh, Hollywood actors on one side or our president on the other. So, uh, you know, you, you choose your poison, and <laughs> and there you go. And that's why it's in the headlines. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, that's pretty much how that's uh, that's going to be. So that's that's fine. That's that's here that's we, what we're going to we talk are. about. One big one big happy uh, dysfunctional family. Yes. And then now, and that's the thing. Like the NFL's enjoyed a pretty uh, a pretty wild run here over the last few years. They've been so. bulletproof. Haven't they? I mean, yeah. really, they've been the one thing. I mean, ever since kind of the the the, the eighty seven, they kind of overcame the eighty seven strike even by playing games while those players were on strike. You know, the the last real uh, problem they've had uh, in terms of public relations was back in eighty uh, two. They've they've never really lost the fan base since then, or had anything that threatened them. While while other sports all. Uh, Experience that uh, that up and down cycle. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, I don't know. The Super Bowl seemed as big last year as it ever was, and uh, I'm sure as many people were watching, whether uh, openly or covertly, as ever were. So I I don't know that the whole thing really hurt the NFL last year. I don't know that it will really hurt the NFL this year. Uh, but it's it's it gives us something fun to talk about. No, it does. I, the NFL's pretty much had me since 94 because I was paying attention to preseason football in 94 because the baseball season was canceled. So that's yeah, when I started, exactly. you know? And, and that's kind of when uh, baseball had a long road to recovery, and that's why they had to turn a blind eye to steroids so they could have 8 million home runs hit and get the fans back. Oh, did I say that? Yeah, that's right. Oh, God. Maybe they can juice the balls again. Could they do that, maybe? <laughs> I already thought they were. Yeah, uh, no, they insist they haven't, but uh, I don't know. It just seems like uh, it just seems like slow pitch softball. Right? I mean, I, I don't know. Baseball, baseball playoffs were hard for me to watch last year. I, I, I have a hard time watching this pitching by committee, uh, where, where pitchers don't work deep into games anymore. I have a hard time watching uh, you know, it being home run derby. Uh, Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball hasn't lost me, but it's. 
I, I don't have the same level of interest right now. It just seems like the fabric of the game has changed intensely over the past few years. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the, maybe I'm in the minority there. Well, you know, we're typically the first to scream, "Get off my lawn!" So yes, we are. We are. I mean, I'd, I'd like it to be a situation where pitch counts don't matter and everybody throws as many complete games as Walter Johnson and Cy Young, but uh, maybe those days are never coming back. That's that's my hunch. It's a B-List Daily Spectrum Healthcare Partner Series across the NBR Radio Network. Callie Oaks in the Georgetown News Graphic joins us each and every week, normally on Tuesdays. Today it was on Wednesday because we were a little overstuffed on Tuesday, and maybe we'll have to do some schedule changes moving forward. Callie, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. Whenever, wherever, guys. Thanks. Thank you. That's Callie Oaks in the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky here on the B-List Daily.